This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you. As, as I've said many times, uh, we can never remind ourselves too often uh, of the proposition of, of sitting in awareness. You know? So ingrained is the, the act, how purposeful activity is doing something. How can there possibly be purposeful activity of being what is? without an agenda of what it should be or should not be. So as you start to sit, just reminding yourself on an intellectual level, oh, this is about being. This is about noticing all and any of the things that arise. In fact, letting that register, that thought register, and then deliberately turning attention to experiencing. And even though you've done it thousands of times, attending as fully as you can what is noticing in this moment? What is that activity of consciousness? And then receiving what's being noticed. What is it to receive what's being noticed without being hooked by it? Without delving into the story, the reality it creates. and taking refuge in the body. Palpable, physical. Part of the here and now. Same deliberate steadiness, Just attending to the breath, the release with the exhale. And 
quality of opening and receiving with the inhale. Right now, is that in competition, the thinking? Or has thinking subdued for a moment? And there's awareness of those sensations. And maybe letting the first three or five breaths be quite deliberate. extending the exhale and pausing so the inhale arrives with a little more detail And just allowing the natural rhythm of the breath. Letting it introduce, allowing the breath, allowing the body allowing the hearing, the thinking, what is it to be whatever arises?
And in a moment, I'm going to ring the bell. Try to attend to the transition out of Zazen in the same deliberate, attentive way you attended to the transition into Zazen. How is awareness influenced or experienced? How is the disposition of mind and thinking? The relationship to the sensations in the body or awareness of breath. It's an experiment. There's no right or wrong response. So for the past week, the uh, suggestion was practicing with uh, immersion. That, that interesting way in which we are immersed in our experience, in our activity, in our own ruminations and memories and emotions. And in, in how the shift to noticing is uh, available. And in another way, often seems elusive. No? Um, and so I offered you some questions, uh, reflections. What are the activities in your life that pull you into the moment? How would you describe what that experience is like? What does saying, do what you're doing, evoke for you? Where in your life activities could that be helpful? Are there interactions or activities in your life or that are absorbing, not necessarily pleasant. So, and then I gave you that grid, which I, I, I know many of you have seen before. Uh, but it, it gives you something to relate to. You know? Describe the event. 
were you able to pause and let it register? Were you aware of the pleasant event feelings during it? How did it feel in your body? What moods, thoughts, additional experiences accompanied this? What else did you like? What thoughts and feelings are on your mind as you write it? So I am intrigued to hear what you uh, have to say <laughs> in response to all that. So anyone care to uh, make some comments and how it was for them? Mm. Susan. I think Catherine wanted to. Susan, you're unmuted. You can speak now, Susan Saylor. Thank you. Hi. Um, I found looking at the chart um, that it really didn't serve me to distinguish between tasks that were pleasant and tasks that were unpleasant, um, that it was all for me just things to do. Mm -hmm. And Susan, how, how, did you uh, try to answer the questions around specific experiences? I did, um, and I found um, when I was having a really good time, I went out um, swimming with my family um, the other day, and I had the experience of like, realizing that I'm having a really happy moment and really wanting to sort of notice and remember. That's when I felt most, um, most aware. Yeah. And did you uh, attempt to, the, the questions were quite specific, you know, like, were you aware of the pleasant events? How was it in your body? You know, what moods or thoughts or emotions? I mean, did you did you attempt to uh, analyze it in those regards? I did. Um, I mean, I think people will recognize sort of all these happy elements like Saturday, it's a no work day. I was with people that I loved. I felt the sun on my skin. I was swimming. And so that was a pleasant activity. All of those really specific things.
and then you 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 made an observation that it, it the discernment between pleasant and unpleasant wasn't so um, so relevant. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, because my life is full of things that I, I feel like if I decide ahead of time, oh, this is an unpleasant thing, um, then I'm maybe invoking an unpleasant reaction in myself. Um, and my day is so full of things like unloading the dishwasher or I don't know, picking up my daughter's dirty inside out socks from the living room. Um, yeah, it just doesn't serve me to distinguish between pleasant and unpleasant. Just, I, I kind of like to just take it as it comes. Ah, but, but can, you, can you see the distinction between anticipatory judgment and um, either in the midst of it or in upon reflection, you know, like, oh, this was unpleasant, you know. Uh, can you see how they can be different? You know, we might think, oh, I'm really dreading this, and then we get to do it, and it's like, yeah, but once I get into it, I just do it, you know. I do see that distinction. Yeah, and I'm not saying I don't experience unpleasant feelings because I sure do. Yes, yeah. I, I, the way I relate to this exercise was is that um, maybe to notice our anticipatory uh, notions or descriptions, but then also to um, attend to what arises you know? and, and there, there, there's something about noting you know uh, even, even if we're just noting an experience but not articulating the noting but also and certainly in this exercise the articulation comes a way to kind of make the noting uh, more evident, no? I mean, we could critique this exercise and say, but isn't there a lot of judgment or mental activity around something that was essentially experiential? Yes, we could say that, but, but it, then we can also say, and maybe that can be helpful, and, and maybe that can be a hindrance too, but I think the notion is to explore it and see. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, Paul, it's Alan. Um, this week for the first time in four months, I got to go back to the uh, ice skating rink. And as you, you know, other people, some, some people know I'm a amateur figure skater. And so there's, without using the chart, um, but having used the chart before, I, mm -hmm. I, I was just, so it was, it's a great body experience because all I'm doing is propelling myself around a strange environment 
that is familiar, except after four months, it was all new again. And so there's a very, within the first seconds, it's how does the ice feel? Is it hard or soft? Is it, and for me, is it, is it being good to me or is it being bad to me? Is it being difficult? And so I give this ice, this life that it's, that it can have a quality that other people say, oh, ice, look at that ice. And I'm feeling it as beneficial to me or not beneficial to me. And so mm. it was beneficial to me when I started, which was great. And we started mm. doing some exercises kind of in a large group. And there's a lot of skill levels and there's some, some people better than I, some people perhaps worse than I. I realized I was aware of that. I was aware of like my mind putting myself in this category. And when I did the first number of them, I also just had this, you know, the pleasant experience was, wow, I can, I, I, not only can I do this, but after months, like I, my body remembers this. And mm -hmm. because it's not a mind thing, because my body is the one that's doing the remembering. I, my mind can't tell you. And my dyslexia actually doesn't allow me to say if I'm going left or right. I just have to do it. And then we did an exercise I hadn't done before. And my body was not happy. And my mind was not happy. And immediately my mind went to, you're so bad at this. Like, look at those other people. They're good. And then, and then, oh, look at that guy. He's actually worse than me. Okay, so I'm better than someone else. All this is going like instantaneously as I'm just mm. getting. And that's when I, that's when I, I kind of notice that I'm losing like what I'm doing because I'm, I'm not just allowing my body to try to figure this out, although I am. I mean, that's part of what's going on. But at the same mm. time, my mind, immediately jumps to this criticism and then we do the next exercise and it's like oh it's all it's all gone again you know I'm just doing it um, but mm -hmm. the immersion for me of a hundred a hundred percent of the time I was immersed in this thing with the good with the good feelings and bad feelings jumping into that immersion as I was doing it mm. Mm. Lovely, lovely description, Alan. Thank you. It, it reminds me of, of that admonition. Do what you're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and how do what you're doing, sometimes it feels like it's asking more than we want to give. Like, I want to stand back and judge, or I, I, you know, I, want, to, I want to stand back and have a commentary. <laughs> and then something like that uh, it sort of says well I know you want to have a commentary but here's the next thing <laughs> that's, that's asking you to do what you're doing you know and how how that kind of opening to that request sort of like it stops the mind from veering too far off into its own narrative and commentary and judgments you know it's it's like uh, it sort of brings it back to a more interactive immediacy and then i wonder um 
as, as you engaged in that way, was there a residual uh, feeling? I mean, at the end of it, did you think, how wonderful? Or, or, or was there a residual unpleasantness? It's like, ugh, finally we're done. <laughs> or was there both? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if there was a residual. I, I, once uh -huh. I was off the ice, it's like, oh, now I'm off the ice. Now I'm taking off my skates. You know, now I'm yeah. saying goodbye to people. Now I'm washing, you know, putting the sanitizer on my hands that I didn't do before. So it was, it just went to the next set of experiences rather than the, uh -huh. Uh -huh. oh, this was the best thing I've ever done in my life. It was, it, I've done, I've done this before and it was a reminder that it's there and that now that I can do it, I have the possibility of enjoyment of this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, along with, I mean, along with the possibility that I'm going to pick on myself for not being something yeah. else at the same time. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Hi, good morning. It's Sandra good from morning. Oakland. Good morning. Um, I uh, became very aware of the things I liked and disliked, very separate. And the things I liked, I really did enjoy them and they were wonderful. And I wanted that to be my whole life all the time <laughs> and there are definitely things that are worth living for you know and um however what happened with the aversion the tasks that i had aversions to i was able to um slow down enough to look at my self-talk and be able to acknowledge right thought and work with that i was be able to eliminate that but where i had the more pro where i had more problems were sensations in the body and 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 oftentimes not knowing you know, what is this feeling? Not having clarity and the sensations in the body and the feeling in the body was not good. And I had, and this doesn't need to be addressed so much because I know it's a kind of a lifelong thing, but it's, it's like I was wondering about developmental trauma and about, and in fact, it did come up for me about trauma and coping and skills mm -hmm. but i i found it that i i actually questioned how buddhism can help me with this i can't say it was really depression but it was just this heavy body feeling that has kept me separate from engaging because it's something that i get emotionally fatigued sometimes when i'm doing let's say tasks like the other participant was saying things to do and then i'll do mm -hmm. them 
and then I'm I notice I'm very fatigued. So that's mm -hmm. so thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of wonderful and powerful points uh, you you bring up there. Uh, how, like, like, part of the prompting for me to include that reference to the yoga journal uh, was that that way in which uh, certain experiences for us it's like they resonate in a deep visceral way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And over the course of our psychological life, we've made meaning out of that. You know, we, we, it, 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 it comes forth for us in, in, a, in an established and significant psychological way. Um, and, and the capacity to embody it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Over the years, I've come to appreciate the the embodied prince the embodied aspect of zazen more and more you know that hold it with your body and your breath with some uh, inviting some kind of stability mm -hmm. and uh, and hopefully you know, a loosening of our of, of how unpleasant strikes us. I mean, unpleasant is unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it has an <laughs> it has an impulse to, to have a certain trajectory. Mm -hmm. right? Similarly, with pleasant, you know, it has an impulse for a certain trajectory. Mm -hmm. And um, and yet, you know, the 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 sixth parameter is uh, insight. And how mm -hmm. just the, those simple notions unpleasant is unpleasant and pleasant is pleasant uh, and that can stir up within us either of them can stir up within us um, a significant part of the narrative of who we are what our life is what our history mm -hmm. is uh, and and the great challenge of absorption of of jhana is that we can get swallowed up by all that, and yet the challenge is: can we, without getting swallowed up, can we experience it and learn from it? And and, and sometimes the learnings are deceptively simple. Unpleasant is unpleasant. You know? <laughs> the, the, the conceptual part of that is, is, is not, it doesn't make a great demand of us, but kind of the insightful relationship to it, in contrast to how we get triggered, uh, can be a significant learning. It, and, and so those embodying uh, perspectives, that introspection, can, can help us with that. Uh, and of course, many other things can help us with it too. And hopefully it helps us to um, 
maybe we could say, have the patience, mm -hmm. and then also mm -hmm. cultivate the compassion. Mm -hmm. Because our own suffering and the suffering of others, you know, from the point of view of practice, it is, um, it is supported and healed by compassion. You know? And when the compassion is there, it, it sort of invites a wholesome relationship. You know? and, and when the compassion is absent, often it, it, other things come up for us. Other ways of responding come up. And of course, that invites, hopefully, that invites our patience. I mean, to be honest, usually it invites our impatience. <laughs> it's, it's just another uh, activity. It's asking us to explore and discover. And, and part of the reason we call them paramitas, uh, I think, not that this is a literal translation of the word, but we're never done. You know, there's still more to learn mm. from patience. Mm -hmm. There's still more to learn from generosity. Mm. There's still more to learn from the stick to itness of discipline. There's still more mm. to learn from what it is to engage the, the energy. There's still more to learn from this intriguing aspect of consciousness of absorption that we can either get lost in or become aware of within. Uh, and, and that notion of learning is, is very supportive. You know? Like sometimes it's helpful, even when something's been very difficult for us, to ask ourselves, what did I learn from that? You know? It's just an academic thought, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it alleviate some of the way we we struggled with it, and it also offers a kind of hopefulness. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hi, Paul. Um, it's Morna. Hi, hi um, Morna. Hi. Um, hi. Th thank you uh, to you and to Jean before I, I say anything because this has been such a gift. Um, and I, I was struck by so many things. Um, um, but I, what really, really um, stayed with me through the week was this uh, idea of meeting everything with, you know, the the, the whole body, the whole kind of um, experience of of what was happening physically at any given time, and the effect of what was happening physically on the way I was seeing, um, or. Uh, engaging 
So kind of like the unconscious, like almost like the the body seeing or the body speaking part of it. Um, and I, um, there was there I, the the moments of pleasure that that I took note of were all to do with feeling really intensely connected to either um, you know a, a space outside uh, or to other people. Uh, um, and I, I noticed like when I was really, really, um, it, it, it's not something that, that was necessarily happening in a conscious way, but when my, my body, when my skin was um, in conversation with, you know, a place that I was walking through, immediately everything, dropped down in, 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 in my body. It's like I immediately, without having to tell myself to do it, I was breathing deeper and, you know, slower. Um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is like this, I've been interested for a long time in this kind of hidden language that our bodies have uh, going around the world, touching things, touching people. I notice a lot how the children are constantly talking to everything around them, um, or, and especially when they were younger. You know, they would have conversations with weeds and snails and things, um, and it was like their whole their whole self was plugged in to the the environment around them. Um, and, and that's just what I, I was noticing this week, uh, along with a lot of resistance to stuff that, you know, my, my head tells me isn't pleasant or is going to be hard or boring. But there was just this constant noticing of... Um, mm. uh, the, the word that comes is, is light, you know, like the... We were coming up from the sea a few days ago and there were um, coming out of the, the landscape of the sea into the trees, uh, into this sudden silence of the, the wood after the, the shoreline and the, the water. Um, and, you know, I had forgotten to be making lists about all the stuff I should be doing. Uh, and just like came fully up with my body into the, the, the trees and felt them and saw them. And it's like this experience of, you see that everything so clearly, everything stands out so clearly. Uh, and the light was extraordinary. Um, you know, and mm. I could have walked through that same piece of woodland, you know, taking things off in my, in my head or beating myself up yeah. about something. My whole body was there, and so that whole body was there. And I thought, I, I haven't given enough credit to that in my life, what it does for me. Um, mm -hmm. So, thank you. Thank you. It, the, the, the contrast between 
how we can not be where we are because we're so busy with the internal world. And, uh, and then the, the way in which the external and our relationship to it can sometimes be transformative. And, uh, and then that aspect of uh, immersion, of soaking it up. You know, whether we think of it as giving over to or bringing in, you know, that immersion, that, you know, the. The Sanskrit word is jhana, and you know that's where the word Zen comes from. John, Chan, that's the Chinese, and then the a, the Japanese Zen. You know, it's that, that's in many ways the heart of Zen practice is absorption, or we maybe we could modify it a little and say conscious absorption, because we're always absorbed in in being you know that's the nature of being alive is to interbe with all being and in that way we can uh, draw it in and and it's almost like a, a feeling of appreciation or savoring Sometimes a helpful antidote to thinking of awareness as some kind of duty or responsibility or task that we need to take on. And then I thought it was lovely you mentioned your children. Yes, how children uh, can show us how effortless it is. You can just play. It's not, uh, it, it doesn't have to be heavy and uh, somehow deeply significant. Why wouldn't you talk to a snail? <laughs> Thank you. Um. Um, I'll come next, I think, Paul. Okay. Um, it was a very interesting week. And um, I found the practice, the questions really helpful. Um, I had two experiences that stood out more than, more than any other one, but um, I, I had a pile of papers that I had to go through. And um, I noticed that I, I, there was some resistance to doing it because I knew it would take time and, and effort to do it. And anyway, I did do it. And I discovered as I was doing it that an energy, more energy came into my being that I could actually say, oh, this is not too bad at all. This is, I'm, I'm, this, why didn't I do it earlier? 
<laughs> it's not too bad at all. And mm. that was, and the, and I noticed that it felt, I could feel it in a visceral, um, in my body um, very much. And I, I noticed when I was finished the task, how my mood changed, you know, I felt this enormous relief um, that, that the, the, this particular thing that I was resisting, that I got through it and, and it was completed. And I could feel the, the joy arise of, of completing something that was difficult. That was, I was energized. I could feel the energy. Mm. Mm. And there's, I have another example. I got a phone call from a sister and um, after the phone call, um, it, was a very, it was a very lovely phone call actually. You know, we talked for an extended time and um, I could feel the joy in my being and I, I paused and I could, I remembered you saying, you know, allow the, the joy, I think it was soak it in. <laughs> that was the word, yes. soak it in. Yeah. And I did that many times during the week. Soak it in, I, I paused and consciously did it. And I think it has made a big difference to my, um, my general mood. And mm -hmm. I, wa I want to comment on the article that you gave, Paul, the yoga article. Um, mm. That exercise, I have done it several times, and um, I'm I've been I've been I'm a Rosen practitioner, so I'm very aware of embodiment. Mm. But what helped mm -hmm. me mostly was putting my hands on my body. The, the, mm -hmm. That extra step was very very meaningful for me, and I could feel I could feel my body much much more by putting my hands on my body than just going inside it, it really grounded mm -hmm. me and really helped me to feel within it was it was a wonderful it's a wonderful experience thank you oh you're welcome yes i'm glad you find it helpful yes i'm going to teach thank that you. to my clients now i love uh -huh. yes pass it on and you know the neuroanatomy of that is that there's a large nerve that runs across there, the vagus nerve. And yes, yes, I do actually yeah. know the anatomy of that. Yeah, it's very yeah. important to understand yeah. it, and that has effect yes. on many of the systems in the body, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I find that that as you know very well from being a, a Rosen uh, body worker. Uh, the embodied being um, can have so many positive uh, attributes to it. Mm -hmm. And then I, f I find it helpful and instructive to cross-reference with um, when we've been traumatized or, or, you know, somehow we've had an experience where somehow our system was uh it seemed self-preservation was enabled by cutting something off you know shutting down something 
and then how that provides its own kind of challenges for us too. Uh, like I, I, I sort of think of each of us having our own ways we do that, you know, and that, and that to approach that in a patient and compassionate way, you know, where we shut down, where we resist, you know, where we hold back, where we're numb, you know. And I'm sure as a Rosen worker, you that's that's all the territories you're exploring. That's right. Yeah. It, it, yes. yeah, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of attention. Yes, not to miss yes. anything. Yes. yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Um, so anyone else like to comment or shall we move on to the last uh, paramita? Oh, uh, is there time, three minutes or two minutes for me or do we have Please, time? Please, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much and it's it's really wonderful to come in this community of people and see familiar faces and voices and, and see new people that I, I haven't practiced with in close proximity. But um, I'm learning so much and I'm finding so much in, in my own experience when I hear other people share and including in the small groups have been very enriching for me. And um, I've coming out of isolation, not just because of, pandemic but because I live in a kind of in a town where I don't have a strong social network it's been it's risen my awareness of myself and it has sharpened my senses I noticed and um, this week what I could manage is um, I focused on the junction points of certain activity that repeat every day uh, it is challenging for me to remember. I, I live a lot of my life in vagueness, but with these, with these uh, junction points, I really made a, and I was able to remember like opening the door and coming just outside my door. So the temperature difference is very big because outside is very hot. Sometimes it's over 40 degrees Celsius and inside is cool. Um, and immediately outside my door, I have a bunch of plants. And one of them is a tomato plant that now is like stretching out and kind of, I have to, I basically have to acknowledge. I say, hello, I say, you're doing a good job. <laughs> and I try not to brush it. Uh, and behind that plant, there's a cactus. So I really have to be mindful how I navigate between those two beings there. Um, and then every evening or most evenings, I uh, go to, to our swimming pool and I made it a point to notice just coming in and directly entering the water without hesitation, not just stepping and like, you know, getting my feet wet in my hands, but just directly going in and just feeling that sensation, what it is like to feel that and to feel the immersion in water and what it feels like in the very beginning and then when i'm gliding in and and making my way to the end of the pool and how my body is adjusting uh, to the temperature and experiencing in a different way 
Um, mm. And I really enjoyed feeling that and doing that and, and um, really gave me connection to my body and to uh, the environment. It's just everything was more rich. The water, the sky, the how my body feels that environment of water in a different way. I noticed that. Um, and also, as you said, the first bite of food. <laughs> I realized that for a long time, I really missed the first bite of food because by the time the first bite of food comes, I'm scanning what I have missed on the table or is there anything else to bring or is the other person eating, enjoying, right? All of that preoccupation that's outside but um and i'm missing my own effort which is the energy that came you know through me into the food um so i really made it a point most of the time to just taste the first bite of food the first mm -hmm. bite of a peach right um yeah and so much is now in summer is just so uh, so bountiful and uh, such a wonderful celebration of, of our earth. And um, mm. in line of that, I had one experience that was really revelatory that came very sudden. So I, uh, I backed into a, a desk and hit my elbow very strongly. Uh, and it was immediately excruciating pain. Um, and as I sat down and, you know, held my arm, I really thought that I've broken my arm. I was, and I was also crying, but I was noticing how the pain feels different in different parts of my arm and hand. I was very interesting. What, I mean, many things were happening at the same time, like part of me was just, you know, ow, 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 you know, and screaming. And another part of me was just very intrigued what is happening and discerning of like how it feels in my wrist, how it feels in my fingers, how it feels in the arm part, how it feels in the elbow where I hit, how it feels in my shoulder, how it feels in my shoulder blades, how it feels in my neck that that pain and that sensation had a very had a different quality and a different movement mm. and all the while i um you know i was quite afraid that i might have broken my arm that's my right hand and arm and i might have to go to the hospital um but that was just not the first row of uh, you know, it was just kind of in the background, the peanut gallery. And I was just, okay, mm. well, maybe we'll have to go to the hospital. It's okay. But this is very interesting. Like, what's happening in mm. this mm. wrist pain? What's happening in the fingers? Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, thank you. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah, th th that way... Uh, when awareness has become embodied, sometimes oh, sorry. 
You seem to have been muted, possibly by me. Hang on a second. Am I off now? Okay, thanks. And um, sometimes our, our, our awareness, because it, it, it's been part of our practice, it's like it's in our body. And uh, it just sort of kicks in without the mind saying, be aware, you know, it just happens. Uh, maybe it happens a lot. I, I have heard uh, of, of studies of, of scientific experiments where we, like we move a limb, we'll move our arm, and then we'll have the thought just slightly behind the movement. You know, usually we would think, oh, the thought precedes the movement, but, it, but actually some experiments show that it precedes the, the thought, you know, uh, that, that the body engages. Um, so, um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the six paramita. Uh, the, the word in Sanskrit is prajna. And, uh, and we could say this, we could, we could say it, it covers three aspects. One aspect is the cognitive, you know, like sometimes when we ask ourselves, well, what did we learn from this? You know, then there are certain concepts, there's perspectives, there's understandings, you know, that, that we learn. And and sometimes that's very helpful, you know, as, as we start to make sense of ourselves to ourselves. Oh, I'm very sensitive around that. You know, when I think of how many of you are talking, you know, like Alan saying, oh, and there I was back in the figure skating rink and, and noticing how, oh, now I'm comparing myself, you know, and, and that has its own consequences. You know, we, we start to make sense to ourselves. And, and that kind of making sense to ourselves, it, it, it has an aspect of um, accommodation, you know. It, it, it's no guarantee that we're going to accept who we are, but at least it, it, it opens up that possibility, you know? Okay, that's me being me, you know? And even if, we, if we're adding to it, you know, justification or, or disapproval or whatever, we're still in the territory of um, learning, you know? And then the second aspect is, um, an aspect of insight, you know, like, like sometimes, uh, especially when these, when we, when we do an awareness exercise, you know, so we're stepping out of our usual patterns of relating, you know, and, and, and stepping out of those usual patterns of relating and meaning making and, and associating with our own psychological a framework of reference, or habituated framework of reference. As we step out of them, quite literally, we see something new. 
in a way we could say an aspect of beginner's mind. And sometimes that can be, one of the interesting things about it can be, it's not a new thought, but it's a, a new relationship to something we've observed before. Right? We, we, we have the knowledge of something, but now we're seeing it in a different way. And sometimes, we, quite literally, we're feeling it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, it can be emotional, you know, and, and we feel the impact, the texture, the intensity, the, the character that's stirred up by that feeling. And in the seeing it in a different way, there's an insight. And, and, and often cognitively, when we see something in a different way, when we have the insight, it can seem like I stepped out of being me and I saw me more clearly. And usually for that, that has a, um, maybe we could describe it as some combination of a sense of wonder, a sense of affirmation, um, and, and maybe even empowerment. Because it's as if in that moment, um, we've become more than that habit usually asserts. You know, there, there, there's a bigger sense of being. You know? And it can happen for us, you know, in a positive way. You know? we, we, we might see, uh, oh, as Marno was saying, oh, and then I could see the difference the sudden silence of the woods in contrast to the, the, the signs of the shoreline. Uh, something expands. Uh, and in, in a positive sense. And, and then sometimes uh, we, we, we have an insight into some way of struggling or contracting or resisting. You know? And in the Buddhist suttas, it's, it says um, that kind of experience, um, we have a deeper insight into the nature of dukkha, that, that way of struggling with uh, being alive. And in, in one particular sutta, it talks about how it's a sort of a mix between sadness and joy. You know, we feel more deeply that struggle. Yeah. Ah, sometimes it can feel like it's a thread that has run through our life. Yeah. And then the, the, the joy of it is and just seeing it for what it is has loosened up the, the 
the impulse to be hooked by it. Now, rather than being defined by it, I'm starting to have insight into it. And, and, and so in asking ourselves, what did I learn? You know, there can be this mix of the cognition of an intellectual answer and insight. You know? Sometimes they're quite separate and sometimes they're interwoven. You know? as, as, as we literally contemplate what arises cognitively, it starts to shift something within us. And then there's what's called in, uh, in the later literature in Buddhism, wisdom beyond wisdom. And literally what it's talking about, and this, this is the, the basis of the Prajnaparamita literature, including the Heart Sutra. Um, something in the experience of awareness is teaching us experientially. It, it, it hasn't been processed cognitively. And often if you, if you, if you do a, um, like an intensive, like a shishin, or even a one day sitting, or even just steadily practicing for a while, uh, something has been learned experientially. And, and then it can become apparent to us. Oh, I am not relating to that issue the way I used to relate to it. It, it doesn't hurt me so much. It isn't as heavy and demanding as it used to be. Or sometimes we have an insight into it. You know, how I, how I see it has shifted. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that can be small and quite subtle. And then sometimes that can be uh, dramatically shifting some aspect of your being. I remember once I was doing a ceremony in hospice, hospice training, and it was about a memorial. It was like demonstrating by doing the ingredients of a Zen memorial. And one of the, one of the things you do in the ceremony is you speak to the person as if they're right there in front of you. And I thought, well, I should demonstrate. Uh, and I thought, well, who will I, who will I think of? And then I thought, okay, my father. And I had a difficult relationship with my father. At that point, he'd been dead about 10 years. And I thought, yeah, I've worked all that through. And then I started to talk to my father. And in the intensity of that experience, uh, something about those years of difficulty shifted. There, there was a, a change of heart for me, you know, and it was palpable. 
and the particulars, the details. It wasn't like I suddenly thought, oh, what I've been thinking has happened. It wasn't, none of that happened, something entirely different. No, that wasn't what changed. It was how it was being held internally. So that too. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I didn't intend to bring that in, but ceremony can help facilitate. And, and, uh, and ritual can help facilitate. Uh, the, it's, it's the experiential process that we learn something experientially and and the wisdom beyond wisdom is that is integrated into being and, and how to carry those three with us yeah and in some ways in particular that last one you know, the, the, the jhana, the absorption in experiencing, that, that it has a, it, it has the potential for a transformative effect. And also, it helps us see, you know, that as human beings, we, we, we are inclined to figure things out. You know? we, we are inclined to put a great deal of um, trust and emphasis on the cognitive process. You know? And it, it, it's helpful to remind ourselves it is useful. It's, it's how we conduct our life and make our priorities and uh, set our plans and understand what is or understand ourselves, make sense of the world, create our values. And there's something that goes beyond all that. And that we, we, we can engage that and open to that. Personally, I find that's where young children can be so instructive. It seems like they swim in those waters most of the time. They have uh, little uh, attempts to, or few attempts to formulate uh, judgments about life or draw conclusions other than in the immediacy of their own experience. Um, so I'll conjure up some reflections on that. And um, before we finish, I have a thought, and I'm not quite sure how we could execute this, but here's my thought. Each of these paramitas is the work of a lifetime. And we sort of skimmed through them uh, with the kind of absurd notion that in a week you can get everything you, there is to get from each one. And, and I know there have been six small groups. Um, and, and I'm wondering if there's a way 
what I was thinking, well, six groups, each group could take one of the paramitas, practice it for a week, and then report back um, what they um, what they collectively discovered about that paramita. As someone mentioned earlier, I think there's there's something instructive about hearing each person's experience. There's something instructive. And then I also think there's something um, mysteriously informative and supportive about bearing witness to each other. I, I think of it as um, we're reminded of our collective humanness. These paramitas apply to us all. You know, this this is what comes up in our life. This is what comes up in the issues of our life. And. Um, So maybe um, maybe we can see. So my suggestion would be that each group, which were conveniently numbered one to six, so group one could take paramita number one, up to group six could take the, the last one, and just practice with it for another week, and then. Um, we could meet again next week and uh, and see and have each group report back. Uh, but here's the point I haven't figured out. How do we figure out if the different groups are up for that? You know? um, okay. Mm. So, um, what we'll do is we'll include that in an email, that notion, and then wait two or three days uh, and see, maybe we'll wait two days and see if um, there's enough interest in doing that and if there is we will do it and i know this is an added session you weren't expecting and so i totally understand if it doesn't work for your schedule and if there's enough interest and availability we'll send everybody an email saying yes same time next week okay and um and, and, and thank you uh, for taking this class. Um, it, it, I've studied and taught the paramitas for years. And I, I, each time, I mean, one of the great things about teaching them again is it prompts me to rethink them, reflect on them, practice them. Um, and I would encourage you uh, this notion that we're never done. Yeah? 
and um, and these reflections um, they, they were somewhat prompted by things I read and they were just somewhat prompted just by my own experience uh, asking the question how does this become relevant in the lives we're living what's a what's a relevant reflection on wisdom in the lives we're living you know? or or our generosity or patience you know and and i would encourage you as you as to take them with you and uh, and reflect and let your reflections guide you into practice. That this human life, as we're discovering, certainly now in the States, has uh, many challenges. You know? And to, to learn how to relate to it in an insightful, compassionate, and skillful way. Uh, isn't this our challenge, every one of us? Uh, and to me, this is the, the general theme of the paramitas. You know, this is what it's attempting to do. It's, it's attempting to help us with that. Uh, as you've noticed, I, um, I didn't talk very much about the classic teachings of Buddhism. Um, mostly I wanted to translate them into practice. Uh, it, it's, it, it's one way to relate to it, you know. If you want to learn how to figure skate, ice figure skate, get on the rink and do it, you know. Uh, you, you don't have to know the uh, the specific density of ice in contrast to water. You can just skate. You can just take your kids to the beach. You, know? you can just bang your elbow on a desk <laughs> or say hello to your tomatoes. You know, the, the, the abundance of our life is always there. Um, and entering it that way. Okay, so thank you all. We will communicate soon and we will see what happens. And if you'd like to have a class in some other form and you have a, another idea, maybe it's better than the one I came up with and that would be possible too. Okay. But thank you and take care.